everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, yeah. There's this music. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. Rocket Mortgage yes. Fieldhouse just got a little brighter, man. Yes, it yeah. did. The oh, lights yeah. are brighter. Yeah, they are. Whenever he walks in the building, he's got these. Look at those shoes he's got, JT. Those things aren't cheap. Those are sweet. Those are like sneaker dress shoes that only rich people wear those. And Tim Alcorn is wearing a pair of those right now, joining us on the Kenny and JT Show, the voice of the Cavaliers. How are you? When you find them on sale <laughs> at the outlet store, then you go, yeah, I might be able to wear a pair of those. Uh, they're comfortable, And though. then Diane had a coupon. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't changed. I love right. that. Uh, good to see you again, uh, Toots. And oh. um, how was your All-Star break? Let's start right there. What would you do over the All-Star break? Tell everybody. Go ahead. Well, I mentioned the bride, Diane. She had hip replacement surgery a wow. week ago today. Day. How's she doing? Boy, good? it's great to be out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's doing well. Surgery went great, but uh, seriously, tried to plan it so that I would be around. Sure, yeah, have to, yeah. Because, you know, my life <laughs> as an NBA radio guy, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're home, you're not. So she's like, Tim, I know you're going to be home for eight days. But uh, no, it was fine. And uh, Listen, we all needed to recharge the batteries a little bit. Uh, you could see it in the last couple of games before the break. The guys were dragging a little bit. So right. uh, it'll be interesting to see how they come out tonight. I think there'll be a lot of fire and a lot of energy. And you also did some high school games over the break, didn't you? You just did. couldn't stay away. Guys, you know I love a high school gymnasium. I love it. And uh, so one of our Audioverse affiliates asked me to come down to the uh, Dover New Philly game. Nice. And... Uh, well, the good news is, great rivalry, packed gym. I mean, freshman game, you couldn't get a seat. Wow. Bad news. Yeah, we had the running clock to oh. start the fourth quarter <laughs> of play. Uh, that Dover team's a heck of a basketball team. The Tornadoes? or what? Yes. what are, yeah, the Tornadoes. Yeah. I remember doing a football game down there with them and everything. So, uh, well, good for you. We're back at it here at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse tonight. Cavaliers hosting the Orlando Magic to start, uh, and they open this so-called second half with a two-and-a-half game lead on the Bucks in the Central and that same lead for the number two seed in the Eastern Conference, Timmy. Uh, let's, let's go back to that. How surprised are you that they're the two seed at this point? And even how surprised maybe is J.B.? Uh, and the front office that they're the two-seed, considering everything they went through in the first half. I think I'm more surprised than they are, or at least that they will admit okay. <laughs> they are. I mean, if you had told me the Friday when it was announced that both Evan Mobley and Darius Garland were going to be out six to eight weeks, the Cavs were sitting with a record of 13-12 and 12 on that Friday. Okay. And one game above 500. Now you're losing 40 points a game, two-fifths of your starting lineup, uh, two all-star level players or elite-level players. Uh, it was stunning to me to see how they were able to keep the ship afloat, uh, use whatever 
cliche you want to, but right. not only keep the ship afloat, but just take off. I mean, just soar in the next 25, 30 games. So it was truly astounding. And Kenny, you mentioned JB. Uh, I don't think he's going to say he was surprised because he has full faith in the roster and in his players. Uh, but if he's not in the conversation for coach of the year, if this continues, right. uh, I don't know who should be because what he was able to do to really retool and reconfigure what he had on the fly on the fly yeah uh, it, to me it was just incredible what jb was able to do that's amazing too because at the beginning of the season i told kenny this yesterday our questions at the beginning of the season were is it going to work oh it's a little bit too early and then maybe you had a couple of injuries it's still a little bit too early all of a sudden they turn it around without two of their key starters and the question was what about jb bickerstaff well i think he's answered the bell Question, what about Kobe Altman? Did he do enough in the offseason? Were we going to make a trade at the trade deadline? Didn't need to, and here they are at 36-17. and 17. The only question I can ask about this team as it pertains to the roster is, how much stronger now is Darius Garland from when he first came back? I think tonight will be a good indication of that, JT. Uh, he's had a week off. Uh, you could see when he came back uh, just physically he wasn't the same. I mean, yeah. the guy had his jaw wired Amazing. shut. He couldn't eat solid foods. So he was on a liquid diet. He lost 10 to 15 pounds, depending upon who you talk to. So uh, I think during the break, uh, I'm sure he wolfed down a, a lot of protein and yeah. tried to put some, some body mass back on. So, uh, But I thought he played pretty well, and I also thought he blended in with this new quote-unquote offense pretty well because it's now a much more up-tempo get the ball out, spray it out to the three-ball shooters, and let's see what they can do. So uh, all in all, I thought DG looked pretty good, and I'm really excited to see how he'll now amp it up for the last 29 games of the year. Yeah, Evan Mobley, too, JT and I were talking about this. One one of the reasons they went on that run with those guys out, one in, four out, meaning one center, four beyond the arc, basically. Spread the floor, creates lanes, but also knocking down triples. While you get Mobley back with J.A., right? Now we're wondering, okay, is it going to be as wide open? Uh, are those lanes still going to be there? Because, let's be honest, Evan isn't known as a, a three-point you know, shooter. Forget about sharp shooter, just a shooter. He doesn't shoot a lot of them. But as we're seeing now, do you hear them in practice telling him to shoot more threes? Is this something that they'll live with in the regular season? Hey, put them up now. Hopefully you, you get a feel for it, but it also helps the offense continue to be what it was. Absolutely, Kenny. Uh, you do hear the coaches encourage Evan, shoot that ball. His teammates, shoot it, E. Let it fly, E. Uh, yeah, they want him to shoot it, and I'm sure it's the same. Now, I'm not in the film sessions and the video, but I'm sure they're pointing out where he has open looks when they're going back over a game or two to say, listen, let it fly. We have confidence in you. And, guys, uh, it all started in that San Antonio game. He knocked down three down in San Antonio. And since then, you can see his confidence developing, and you can see him going out beyond the arc. So I think it's both uh, the coaches and his teammates encouraging him, but I also think it's it's his self-confidence to say, that's a shot I can knock down. I've seen it go in. And, Kenny, you and I have been around a lot of basketball, JTU as well. Once guys see that ball go through the hoop, ooh, I can hit this shot. Right. The confidence just grows. Yeah, and that's huge. Tim, what about this bench? Talk a little bit about it because we didn't see as good of a scoring second unit last year 
as we're seeing now. So, I mean, you really don't skip a beat, maybe a little bit if Donovan's not playing. But talk a little bit about the supporting cast. Well, it's been huge, and it's a reason that they were able to go on this run without DG and without Evan because all of a sudden that bench cast had to add even more. And so you had guys like George Niang, even KP, uh, or excuse me, CP, (laughs) Craig Porter Jr., when CP was able to come in, and he had minutes, he was scoring. How about Sam Merrill? So to your point, JT, quick flick. flick. He's got that quick flick. It barely hits his wrist. And when you see guys like that that are scoring points, and that's not to take anything away from the guys Mm -hmm. who were coming off the bench last year, but they didn't have that firepower. Guys like yeah. Lamar Stevens and the like. They were they right. were more defensive type guys. And yet you've got guys like Niang and Merrill and Craig Porter. They can knock down shots. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I left out Karis LeVert, who's probably the first guy off the bench every night. So uh, you look at guys like that, and that's firepower coming off the bench. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing, too, that we really haven't uh, talked about. Uh, last year they lost Ricky Rubio. Yes. And then they were expecting him to be back this year, and they lost him again, and he's retired, mm-hmm. uh, and now I guess he's playing with the, you know, his uh, country team and everything, so good for him as he had some mental things he had to deal with and all of that. Um, but th- that's a, another guy that they were counting on this year, and yet even without him, that gave the opportunity to, to Porter. That gave the opportunity maybe to Sam Merrill to step in to fill the void that was supposed to be, uh, you know, the the veteran point guard of that second unit. Uh, Kenny, that's a great point because going into camp, as you mentioned, the team, the organization was counting on a healthy Ricky Rubio. Yep. Now, I think they knew before camp started uh, this isn't going to happen because, as you alluded to, Ricky was dealing with some issues that the organization was aware of that uh, the general public wasn't aware of at that time. But uh, they were counting on Ricky Rubio. So all of a sudden, your hand gets forced a little bit. Hey, w- let's see what we've got in this Craig Porter di- kid. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, uh, I don't know who the scouts were or who the folks were that found Craig Porter at Wichita State. But uh, what he has done is absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, he was forced into action. He was forced to play DG's injury certainly impacted that, uh, but he has stepped up in a major way and, of course, rewarded now with a four-year contract. So uh, the Cavs have full faith and confidence in him Mm -hmm. that he can do the job. He's not Ricky Rubio, but he plays with a lot of moxie. He he looks like a veteran out there. He does it all, Tim. I mean, he flies. He's not afraid to get in there underneath the trees, grab some rebounds. We see a lot of energy when he's on the floor. And when you're talking confidence, for me, I don't think there's anybody flying higher on this team right now than Isaac Okoro. Listen, I'm an Isaac Okoro fan. I'm not, and I'm He's eating not. some crow this Tell year. I, I know. I know. No. I, I've heard your show, Kenny, even when you I'm not on it. You get better, though. I mean, he's a couple of years in now. Well, and, again, I'm fortunate enough that I'm able to be at the practice and be at the shoot-arounds, and that young man has worked and worked and worked and worked at his game. And I'm not saying he's ever going to be a Steph Curry from beyond the arc, but he's up around 39, close to 40% this year from outside the arc. He's really done a great job in the corner three, Mm -hmm. which is the shortest three ball there is. So uh, I'm an Isaac Okoro guy. I think aggressively, when he's aggressive on the offensive end, I mean, he's knocking down some three balls, but when he takes it to the rim, he's really effective. And on the defensive end, as JB has said, I don't think there's a better one-on-one defender 
for the Cavaliers than Isaac Okoro, and they put him on everybody. I'll guarantee you he'll be on Bancaro at some point tonight because they put him on the other team's best offensive player. And here's the thing I think that has helped him. He's no longer a starter because when they – I never saw him as a starter, okay? So partially right, partially wrong. He's a role player, and he's accepted that role coming off the bench as the seventh or eighth man behind Karis LeVert, right? And – there's less pressure on him now. He's not thought of, in my opinion, as the lottery pick. Now he's just, okay, coming off the bench, play defense and hit that open three, you know, attack the rim here and there. We, we don't need 18 points a game from you uh, like top five picks usually are expected to get. Just do your role on this team, and he's thriving in a role, I think, that is perfectly suited for his game. How about Kenny Rhoda being very astute in his analysis? Yeah. But I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I would. I mean, as you said, he's a lottery pick coming out. Uh, Cavs showed a lot of faith in him. Yep. He had only played one year at Auburn. Right. So there's a lot of pressure on a young mm-hmm. man like that. And he was thrust right into the starting lineup. And uh, from his rookie year, he was always guarding the other yeah. team's best player. Even as a rookie, J.B. said, Go take on LeBron. Go take on Giannis. Go take on sure. these guys. So Isaac had that to deal with while trying to improve his offensive game. And as I said earlier, I've watched him work so okay. hard. And to your point, Kenny, I think it's a great point. He doesn't have to score 18, 20, 22 points per ball game. Mm-hmm. Just give us what you give us off the bench. Hit that three ball from the corner. Drive to the bucket. And whoever you're guarding, just lock him down, which he usually does. Obviously, now, here's the thing. Isaac Okoro had been in the league for a few years. Did you watch any college hoops during the break? Not a lot. I'll tell you why. It's not that good. <laughs> it's true. Honestly. Yeah. So you consider well, a guy gets... leave. A guy, yeah. Exactly. And a guy gets drafted. He's in the lottery. He's only played one year in college. And we expected, Kenny and myself, you know, people in sports talk radio, this guy's got to light it up. He's a lottery player. Mm. We want the Wimbenyamas of the world. We want the number one overall pick. When a guy drops to four, five, six, or seven... We still expect them to be high-flying, you're scoring, you're scoring. But I don't know if it still exists. I don't know if it lives in college basketball. You know, it's interesting. I was talking with Rick Mahorn of the Detroit Pistons radio color commentary world. But, no, we we had a very interesting conversation. By the way, Rick... As a radio guy, is a lot different than Rick Mahorn. I hated him uh, as a player. Who didn't? Yeah. I haven't shared that with him because he's a lot bigger than me. But we were talking about the fact, you notice that the the teams that get the later picks, who are usually playoff teams mm-hmm. and usually upper echelon teams in the NBA, their rookies seem to develop quicker. And why is that? Because the later picks... Set. In round one, mm-hmm. well, they all they sit, mm-hmm. but they're usually the guys that haven't come out immediately. They're right. usually guys that have two or three years college experience. Let's go back to Craig Porter. Five years right. of college basketball. He was ready for the NBA. Great and point. he goes undrafted. Right. Yeah. Right? So to your point, JT, mm-hmm. these young phenoms that are coming out that are 18, 19 years old, and they have all the natural ability in the world. Don't get me wrong. And that's what the scouts see. But you've got to wait for them. You've got to, right. you've got to have some patience for them to develop. They're not all mm-hmm. Victor Wembanyama. But those kids that have played three years, four years, even a guy like Porter with a couple of years of Juco ball and then whatever, or a year in Juco and then four years of college ball, right? 
they're they're seasoned. Yeah, they're ready. Yeah. And it's interesting that the playoff teams are the ones that usually get those guys. Right. <laughs> but they're ready to mm-hmm. play. You know what's weird too? You're going to start seeing changes to that. A guy might stay in college for four or five years, but he's not at the same school because of the NIL transfer portal. That's a good. So point. I mean, if you're getting paid to stay in college, we're seeing that they were talking about the G League and the Ignite might. They might have to rethink that because if a kid would rather stay at a Wichita State or at Iowa State and get paid versus go to the G League, that's what we thought we were going to see. We thought the G League was going to be the end of college basketball. It's right. not. No, because they didn't pay them enough, and right? the kids can make more in NIL money. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, you'd have to really think that through. But you're right. These kids are becoming so wealthy by staying yeah. in college now with the NIL. Yeah, you've got to think that through, which I'm sure the executives and the front office guys have. Because, But the flip side of that coin is you, you get caught in a cycle here. Does it better prepare them for the NBA? Yeah, well, that's a big question. I, that's a great question yeah. because I heard them say yesterday in one of the games I was watching that now a college coach has to recruit his own team. Think about that. At the end of the season, you want to go out on the recruiting trail, you want to go find a high school kid or a kid transferring in, you better make sure that your roster stays intact and that kid wants to come back next year. Yeah, and play for you and not somebody right. else. Yeah, I recruited you once. i got to recruit you again Yes, in order to, to keep you here so you don't go get NIL money somewhere else and a better chance to play. It's crazy. Think about that. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That really is. You've got to make sure your own guys right. and gals yeah. stay. Yep. Yeah, it's nuts. Tim Alcorn is our guest, radio voice of your Cleveland Cavaliers. You'll hear him tonight, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off. Magic at the Cavaliers tonight as we start the second half of the season. And I want to give a shout-out. You brought up Craig Porter uh, because we were supposed to have a guest today, but he had to go scout. And he probably was the guy that scouted Craig Porter, and that's Mike Ganzi, the general manager of the Cavaliers. And we've known Mike since, uh, you know, he was the GM of the uh, Canton Charge, and I knew him when he was playing high school ball and then at West Virginia, right? So this is a basketball lifer. It's what he does. And so he and his staff probably had something to do uh, with Craig Porter. So can I share with you my Mike Ganzi, Craig Porter story? Yes. I just shared with you (laughs) talking to Mahorn about how these playoff teams are getting the deeper picks. So... I was talking to Mike Ganzi and all the literally millions of miles that he travels. I can't imagine what it adds up to. And we were talking about Porter. I said, Mike, how did that happen? He goes, Tim, I was with a couple of our scouts, and it was Wichita State against another opponent. I'll say that. And we went there to scout a top-tier guy with the other opponent. And we couldn't take our eyes off Craig Porter Jr. Wow. Like, Watch this kid. Wow. Watch to JT's point, he's doing everything. And, of course, at Wichita State, he led him in points, he led him in rebounds, he led him in assists, yep. he led him in steals, you name a category. He goes, we were watching it. He goes, and all of a sudden we realized we're watching Porter more than we're watching the guy that we were there to scout wow. for. Mike Ganzi told me that personally. He goes, and right after that game, we weren't sure that Ganzi, excuse me, we weren't sure that Porter was going to get drafted. But we contacted his people to say, if he doesn't get drafted, we're calling you ASAP. Like yeah. yeah, and they did, and they signed him. Talent, but yeah, Mike told me that story. I'm sure if he had been able to yes, join you, yeah. he would have told you that story because they safe they travels went to see, see a different opponent <laughs> yeah. and a different guy, and they ended up watching Porter. They they he just that's awesome. The game. See, that's what I was telling you yesterday, yeah. Kenny. 
you're watching these college games right now, and everybody seems to be even keel. You talk about parity in any professional sport you want to. But I was telling him because we really haven't gravitated towards college hoops yet because, A, Ohio State's been pretty bad all year. But, B, nobody else is running away with this thing. So I started to watch a little bit. I watched UConn the other night. I watched Baylor the other night. And I told Kenny this. I'm looking at it at a different perspective as we get closer to March Madness. Which players on those teams could be playing in the NBA? And, Timmy, I'm telling you, I'm not seeing a lot of NBA talent, in my opinion, right now. So that speaks volumes to how good Craig Porter Jr. is. Right. And, again, it speaks volumes to the fact that they went to watch a game, and here's a kid that has played a lot of college basketball. He's mentally ahead of everybody else on the floor. And then you watch a game. Rick Porter is not the most athletic guy. He's not rim wrecking, and but he knows the game, and he never gets rattled. He finds his way to the basket. He worms his way for a rebound. Right. He knows the game. So how deep can we go now? Well, with uh, Wade back tonight, right? Yeah. We expect Dean Wade to be back tonight? Yes. So I think they can go 10 deep. I'm not sure as you get closer to the end of the year and postseason – that's tough. I think most playoff teams get it down to about eight, maybe nine. I mean, you go back through any playoff box score, you don't see 10, 11, 12 right. guys playing. But I think right now, JB's comfortable with at least 10. I yeah. think he can go mm-hmm. 10 deep. Yeah. And, and here, back to Craig Porter one more time. You said five years he played college ball. A lot of teams will pass on drafting a player because they're older, right? They want that young superstar supposedly in the making one year of college ball, and they'll mold him, and his potential is going to be through the roof. Whereas a Craig Porter, I don't know how much better he can get. He may be closer to his ceiling than, say, the one-and-done kid. But on this team, that's what they needed. They needed somebody that they didn't have to develop that could step in and play right away. And he can help us right now. Yes, yeah. Yes, his skill set. And, again, I'm thinking, I've never been told this, so this is just my hypothesis, but I'm thinking in June – that the organization may have been aware of what Ricky Rubio okay. was going okay. through. Right? All right. They, they, they hadn't mm-hmm. made it public, but maybe they're thinking, okay, this Porter kid, look at his skill level, and if he's available, because they, they liked Bates, don't get me wrong. Right. That's why they grabbed Amani mm-hmm. in the second round. A young guy without mm-hmm. a lot of college experience, right. but with that upside, but they knew they could put him down the street here a little bit with the Cleveland charge. But if, Rub- if Ricky's not going to be with us, Man, this Porter kid, he might be able to step in and provide some minutes. Yeah, and he has along with and Sam Merrill's a great find uh, as well. You wow. know what was he the sixty? Was he Mister Irrelevant? Was he like the last pick in the draft whenever he came out? I, that I don't know, and I left my notes was, over in the purse. He was in but, Memphis, wasn't he? Yeah, and then of course he was with Milwaukee the year that they won it a couple okay. of years ago. But yeah. again, hadn't really gotten that opportunity to showcase his skills. And, and he spent some time with the charge. And uh, JB and the staff have always given a tremendous amount of credit to player development and the charge coaches because they really, really take a lot of pride in, in developing the skill levels of the guys that they get there. Should and, be, and it shows. Yeah, it should be a fun second half, man. We're looking forward to it. Now, the schedule doesn't do them any favors, nor does it do you any favors, my friend, with your travel schedule. Right. My Lord. We looked in uh, March, 17 games in 31 days. You play, what, five in the next seven, I think it is. Five back-to-backs. How the hell is Tim, forget the players, how the hell is Tim Alcorn going to manage all that? 
Hot tea and honey, baby. Hot <laughs> tea and honey. Try these. No, these you know what? This all goes back to our 1130 at night in Paris time conversation when the Cavs were in Paris. You know, what do I do at 1130 at night in Paris? Well, it's 530 in Canton. I could talk to the oh, best boy. pick and roll combo in Canton. But the Cavs only played one game that week. And normally an NBA team will play three, four, sometimes even five. It's rare, but usually three to four games in a week. Cavs played one, so all of a sudden that's catching up to them. Okay, you gotta you gotta squeeze those games in somewhere. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a loaded back half of the schedule as far as the amount of games because we only played one in in that week in January. Yeah, you've got uh, thirteen home left, sixteen away games. That's amazing. And uh, we started back here. Tech. Can you hang for one more segment? Sure. This is Evan Mobley from the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you're listening to Kenny and JT on 1480 WHBC. Holy Mobley! Mobley, there it is. Holy I Mobley. thought Brian was going to play that. I beat him to it. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. Welcome back to the Kenny and JT Show. We are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Alcorn. Holy Mobley. Throw it. Throw to the fro. He's got arms like snakes. Save some of it for the game, Kenny. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, come on. Oh. There's too many shenanigans going on on this show. Uh, I told you I'd get that you one. You did. You worked out nicely. <laughs> Thank you for that. We didn't. We figured we'd give you a break today. We didn't come up with one for today. So right. you can just be Tim Alcorn. It's the first game back from the break. We want you to get your sea legs back for us. Uh, and so, you know, you'll, you'll be all good to go. But next time, uh, we'll have another uh, phrase we'd like you to work in. All right. All right. Is that All fair? Right. Hey, I mentioned to JT this. I wanted to pick your brain on it. We just saw the you know the All Star game where Donovan Mitchell represented the Cavaliers. He was the only one. That was a game. Uh, well, whatever it was, it was an <laughs> exhibition. How's that? Um, a lot of as Adam Silver said. Congratulations, East. You scored a lot of points. The most points. Yeah. So he wasn't real. I didn't have a problem with it. But anyways, um, all time Cavaliers starting five. Whoa, okay. Wow. Now, we all know that LeBron is a no-brainer, so we'll take him out, right? He's, he's your uh, small forward, right? Okay. LeBron James. Okay, so Tim Alcorn, who's covered this team uh, as long, if not longer than me, give me your thought. If you had to put together a Cavaliers all-time starting five, considering 1970 through this season, okay, who would join LeBron James and if you want to add a sixth man because you feel bad you're leaving somebody off, you can do that as well. Who would uh, your your all-time starting five be for the Cleveland Cavaliers? Now, does this have to be a, a standard lineup? Two guards, two forwards, a center? Yeah, I would yeah. like to go that way. <laughs> no, no, do it like well, the All-Star game. Five guards. <laughs> right. Well, because that would play a part in that. All yes. Right. Yeah. So are you putting LeBron at the three? Yes, he's a three. He's a three. Yes. All right, so let's start at center. Yeah. I would think the debate would be between Doherty and Z. Correct. My foot hurt the leg hell. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. And that's yeah. so sad because he could have been a multiple all-star. Brad went five all-stars. I think Z went two. I think Brad was a little bit better overall. Right. He was a heck of a passer. I'll go with Doherty in the middle. I did as well. I'll go with Doherty. Okay. I'll go with Doherty in the middle. So we got Doherty, LeBron. You know, the Cavaliers just announced uh, their newest 
Ring of Honor members, one of whom will be my broadcast partner, Jim Jones. Great to have Jim back with us. Yes. Um, but they mentioned Mike Mitchell. Mm. I think Mike Mitchell is often overlooked as a scoring guard. Now, again, this gets into injuries. AC could have been one of the best ever, not just with the Cavs right. in the NBA, but the injuries that ripped up his knee uh, really devastated his career. They traded Ron Harper. Two, two guard. I, I might go with Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell? Okay. All right. Now, I went with as the yeah, two I'm, guard. I'm trying to run him through my head real quick. Currently. Well, okay, Donovan. I, I would have Donovan, even though it's only two years, yes. based on what he's an all-star both years, yes. the all-time scoring uh, record for a single game in Cavaliers history, right? Um, I, I have him, even though it's a small sample size. I, Ronnie Harper was my uh, my other guy, and I thought about Mike Mitchell as well. Okay, so we're we're but uh, Donovan Mitchell to, and hopefully he stays and cements his if he spot. Continues right, this. but yes, but for absolutely. me, based on what I've seen for two years, he's the best two guard they've ever had for the two years he's been here, in my opinion. And I love World Be Free. Okay, that's my guy. But I did too. Donovan Mitchell and what he's done, especially what put the reason I have him over World is what he did during that time when both Garland and Mobley yep. were out. He put the team on his back and said, here, I'll take care of this. And so I've got him over. World's my sixth guy. He's my sixth okay. man. World be free. Okay? So Mitchell's my, my starting two guard. You're both wrong. Who, oh, jeez. you got to put Dick Snyder in there because he's Kent, North Canton kid. <laughs> we got to keep All it right. local now. All right. I, well, I, I am in no way whatsoever disagreeing on Donovan, I just thought year and a half okay. is that long. I know. But certainly, if he continues at this level, All oh right. my goodness, right? No doubt about it. So, let's just say Mitchell. Okay, All right. <laughs> Donovan or Mike. <laughs> I like that. Fair enough. We're let's, going with Mitchell. Yeah, yeah we're going good. with Mitchell. Uh, okay, I don't know how much time we have. No, so we have guard, plenty. So point guard. Um, boy, there's been some good ones. You yes, know, you, you tend to forget Lenny Wilkins started here as a point guard for the Cavaliers, but. They were they were young. He was the veteran presence, but he was one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. Yeah, uh, but I probably would go with Mark Price, and that's who I took. Four-time All Star, and I'm, I'm leaving Kyrie out of my starting mm. five and yeah. my and my point or my sixth man. And he hit the greatest shot in Cavaliers history, right? The biggest shot in Cavaliers. But as a true point guard and. If Mark got to play with how many threes they're shooting today, he'd wow. have blown Kyrie away. So that's why I went with Mark Price, and I think he's a better passer. I, Mark Price was brilliant. People tend to forget how great he was. The yep. pick and roll, oh. Brad, him and Brad on the pick and roll. I mean, he was awesome. With he, he could shoot the three mm-hmm. ball long before it became the thing to do. Yep. And to Kenny's point, if they had shot the volume of threes in Mark's day that they do now. So, yeah, I'm, I'll stick with Price at point. Okay. That 51-point game, though, Kyrie, you know, you get those memories on Facebook or whatever. It was, I don't know, eight years ago, and it just popped up a couple of days ago. Kyrie Irving, no one ever finished at the rim, as far as I'm concerned, at any position of the Cavaliers like he did. Nobody ever blocked a shot. It was amazing. Uh, his handles, Allen Iverson came out today and said Kyrie's got I the greatest that. handles ever in the history of the game. I saw that. Yeah. So, 
But, and again, I know we're basing it just on their Cavalier time, yes. or at least I think we are. Yeah. Um, Kyrie didn't win until LeBron got here. True. And you look at what he's done since then, and again, I'm not right. saying that should factor into your all-time Cavs team, but uh, he's he's proven to be a cancer on a lot yeah. of these teams. Yeah. So I, I would factor that in, but I'm still sticking with Price. All okay. right, so All right. we got Price and Mitchell. Yes, in the backcourt. <laughs> in the backcourt. LeBron, LeBron is small forward and now. Brad, and our guy Brad, who I love dearly. Yeah. I've really gotten to know Brad well. So now we got our power forward. That's the one I had the most trouble with. Power forward. Because I, I was able to I, – I had trouble picking between multiple guys for, uh, you know, point guard, right? And shooting guard, but I had a, a number of guys that I, you know, these all they all deserve. Who am I going to take? I, I, as my four, who? who? Okay, I, I'm going to go a little off kilter here. Okay, and I may be a little biased. Yeah, but when my broadcast partner was in Los Angeles, he played the four. Yes, he did with Magic. Yes, Kareem was in the middle. Yep, and Jones played the four a lot. So if if you could slide Jim in now, here he played center, but. Boy, Jimmy would be a hell of a power forward, yeah. man. And look what he did with the Lakers. Right. So, um, trying to think of the other power forwards. That I mean, Nance was more of a three, right? I mean, he blocked shots, he I, rebounded. I looked at him as a four because of his defense. Okay, yeah, block shots, it, rebounding. At the time he retired, he was the all-time leading shot blocker for forwards in NBA history, right? Um, and so I looked at him and Hot Rod. Uh, as you know, the uh, the two fours. Now we see you want to stretch for where that was Danny Ferry back then, but Danny never lived up to the billing of uh, you know the the Harper trade that was expected of him. Um, and so you you throw in Kevin Love from the championship team. Would I take Love over Larry Nance? Sorry, Kevin Love. No, I'm taking Larry I, Nance. Yeah, I'm. I'm and probably coming down with Larry Nance. Yeah, but it's funny you don't think of him as that prototypical no, four. No, but. Block shots. He would be the anchor the of the, bowl. Oh, yeah, he'd be the anchor Folks, of your you defense. had to be here to see it, to believe it. <laughs> Joe, one of Joe's best calls. He blocked minute bowl shots. Yeah. But isn't that funny? You go back to those, you know, those Richfield teams of Doherty Price and I got I two got, of them on my team, you yeah. know, and you've got two, uh, you know, with uh, Mitchell um, uh, on well, your he team, maybe Doherty three. Price, though. I no, mean, it was before that, but, but out of Richfield. Yeah. 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 So, um and uh, let's not forget Edgar Jones, too, as one of the greatest dunkers in Cavaliers history. Oh, now that would be a good yes. top five dunk. Edgar Jones. <laughs> oh, Howie Chiswick, man, oh, man, when he would go into his Edgar yep. Jones. Fantastic. <laughs> Rhoda, uh, don't get me, don't get the laughing thing going. But Rhoda and I sitting at the Coliseum, and Edgar with his two teeth. Out, yeah, he had the fangs, so basically. Funny. Yeah, he looked like a vampire. Ed, Ed, Chiswick just going crazy. Edgar Jones. <laughs> and the thing with the, with the Howie was he had unique ways of enunciating as well as uh, the, the way they rolled off of his tongue. I To this day, whenever I call anybody Phil, I don't call him Phil. Field. I call him Phil <laughs> Hubbard. You know, another Stark wow. County guy. There's you know, guy. Well, let's go back to let's the go injuries. There. Yeah. Oh, Phil Hubbard. You know, Larry Bird, probably to this day, if mm -hmm. you called him, would say Phil Hubbard was one of the toughest defenders he yep. ever yep. 
Him and Michael Cooper. He always talks about Coop. Cooper and he talks was about incredible. Phil yeah. Hubbard. Yeah. His defensive skills. But at McKinley, yep. he had offensive firepower. But again, it it was injuries. They had great he came teams. out of Michigan, and uh, injuries just ravaged him. But great player. Yeah. Great player. So who are you going with at the four? And then you get I'll, a bench I'll go player. With Nance. You'll go with, I'll go with Nance. All right. Who's your sixth man then? Who boy. I like your world be free pick. Um, I taught for me it was between Kyrie and World. That, you know, for my my sixth man. You know, because of what Kyrie. Kyrie would be my seventh guy. Uh, sorry, Kyrie, but I, I, World. Here's my why I took World. You saw Kyrie because of World. The Cavaliers may not have exist, existed if it wasn't for World be free oh, in those no three doubt. years. Oh, Kenny, there is absolutely no doubt there would not be. A Cavalier mm. basketball game right. at Rocket Mortgage Field House tonight. Yep. If World Be Free hadn't shown up in a helicopter <laughs> and landed on top of the Richfield Coliseum, have no fear. World, world is here. here. That's right. He saved That's amazing. the franchise. He did. There literally were a few hundred people and I'm going s- to games. And I'm sorry. And I look up there right now and I see Joe Tate deserving, Austin Carr deserving, Nate Thurman, uh, Bingo Smith deserving, right? Price, Nance, Doherty, Z, most games ever played. There should be a World Be Free banner up there because none, uh, most of those banners wouldn't exist if it wasn't for World Be Free, in my opinion. No, you're exactly right about that. He saved the franchise. You mentioned Joe, and uh, Joe would, to his last breath, say, World Be Free saved the Cleveland Cavaliers franchise. It would not mm. have existed because... There were nights you literally, you could hear the ball bouncing off the floor. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was empty. And then World came in and just revitalized and well, re-energized. Well, it was a sideshow back then. I mean, when they were running things and they didn't care about the, the, the team or the organization and they were doing things like, it was like a circus, wasn't it? I mean, when you came to the game, you didn't come for basketball and they couldn't give tickets away. It was like an ABA yes. uh, team almost where they were doing everything uh, to get yes. you in the arena because the basketball was so bad. Right and uh, step, you know the mm-hmm. the teddy bears yep. and Ted Stepien, and they they made a rule in the NBA where you can't trade first round picks in back to back years because of Ted Stepien. So yeah, and that's why I say World saved the franchise. And what was it, eighty four, eighty five, with George Carl uh, taking over and World playing the the Celtics and beating the Celtics one time in that playoff series. But if you go back and look at the cumulative scores, it was dead even. Boston won that series three games to one. Those games were so close, the cumulative score, wow. if you add them up, was dead even wow. and in the four games. That's and that, that the juggernaut was, of the Celtics team, oh yeah, too. Yeah, that was Bird, Parrish, yep. McHale, that, right. that DJ. Yeah. Right. Chief. And that was, the, that was the Cavs team that was 2-19. and 19. Yep. Think about that, right? Two and just the opposite of what this team did. This team went nineteen and two, or whatever it was, in twenty-one games. That team was two and nineteen in a twenty-one game stretch, right? And they made the playoffs. Yeah, Yeah. to start the year they were two and nineteen, and uh, World basically put the team on his back, yeah, and carried them to that playoffs against Boston. And uh, I was at a couple of those games at the Coliseum, and boy, you couldn't hear yourself think. That was so cool. Yeah, and and again. The Cavalier franchise would not be here today if it wasn't for World Be Free. That's why, and I don't know what I got to do to petition, uh, you know, the Dan Gilbert and whoever to, you know, go back and look at that and be thankful, even though it was a, a small sample size, three years, I think, two and a half, three years, whatever it was, um, uh, World B. What was he, 20, what number of World was 21. 21, right? He was 24, I think, with the... Really? 
in Philly? Was well, he? Tw- he might have been twenty-one when he played with Doc and McGinnis. Okay, the team that lost to Portland. Yes, uh, Bill Walton and, yep. and uh, Bobby Twardzik yep. and uh, those Lucas. guys. Yeah, uh, that so, was a really good team. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, we go, we you know, go off tangent here, but. Uh, George McGinnis, Doctor J, World Be Free, uh, Stevie Nick, not Stevie Nicks, Bobby Nicks, or who? What? what Steve Mix. I'm sorry, Stevie Mix. Steve Mix. I'm thinking of the, the Wicked Witch of Rock and Roll. Yes, uh, you know, yes. Steve, Steve Mix, uh, and, and those guys. Who Chocolate was Thunder. Yeah, da- Daryl Dawkins yes. in the middle, man. Chocolate Thunder. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. So, um, all right, so who's your sixth rim man? Rim-shattering, rim-blasting. <laughs> he had those poems. Funkadelic, super-fragilistic, oh, dunk-mealidocious, whatever he used to call his dunks. Yeah. Well, I, I went with Mitchell at guard. Yes. So whatever Mitchell isn't playing, okay. I'll put the other Mitchell as six. Right. But World would certainly be seven at, right. the, at the very least. All right, so, there, yeah, there you go. That That's the end. They have one championship to show for it, but there were great times mm-hmm. uh, at the Richfield Coliseum. Oh. Uh, I, I were did you ever go to a game before the Richfield Coliseum? The old Cleveland Arena? Yeah, yeah. No. no, me neither. No, <laughs> no I, never there. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard never, stories. Oh so yeah. my! But I've never been. Jake? I want to. I want to throw a name at you guys. All right. Probably somebody is like one of the unsung heroes, but he was an All Star when he was here. They made a playoff appearance. What about Sean Kemp? Boy, um, Sean Kemp, the fact that he was um, fat Sean and still made it as an all-star is impressive that speaks to his unbelievable God-given ability as a basketball player, right? That he was able to put on all that weight and still lead the team to the playoffs. Had he had they gotten skinny, Sean? My goodness, you talk dunkers, right? You go back on YouTube or NBA TV. And you search Sean Kemp in his Seattle Supersonic days, the high-flying, electrifying Sean Kemp. I mean, he was Dominique Wilkins. Yes. He wow. was Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was doing stuff above the rim that would just make your jaw mm-hmm. drop. He was incredible. So I don't know if I would put him in that Cavalier all-time greats, but I guarantee you, when you sit down with Seattle folks and look yeah. back, hey, back in the supersonic days, right. Sean Kemp would be at the top of that list Absolutely. because he was phenomenal in Seattle. The Rain Man. Yes. And uh, he, he was just uh, you know fun and came right out of high school too, didn't he? Or Leo. junior college or yes. something like that. Yep. Um, well, you know, oh, is that Brad? I, I'm not sure if Brad. Uh, is Brad doing the game tonight on TV? You got sweets like back with here. you. Yeah. So the, the – Want to go talk to him about uh, the Daytona 500, you know, and how that finished and everything like that. But uh, last year, of course, wait a day. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. Ricky won it last year. Stenhouse, his guy, but uh, didn't come, uh, you know, come up with it this year. But uh, JT and I, I lost thirty-one dollars and fifty cents on the race. <laughs> yeah, everybody wrecked. Yeah, everybody. My guy Austin Sindrick was second going into the last lap. And then Ross Chastain tapped him on the rear bumper and spun him out, and I lost $31.50. Yeah, that's it. I, I hate Ross Chastain now. That's my. You know how you have those uh, athletes you don't like a lot because of whatever reason? Yep. I will never root for Ross Chastain ever, <laughs> ever. Cost me a, a, a nice uh, payday in the uh, final lap of the Daytona 500. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, if your nice payday is $31.50, Kenny, we need to have a conversation. Uh, Tim Alcorn is our guest talking uh, Cavalier basketball, NBA basketball. And, uh, here's what I need to know. You and I and JT were talking about, you know, you grew up uh, outside of Cleveland, you know, in the Boston area and then came to uh, Cleveland. Who was your favorite basketball player growing up? Bob McAdoo. Really? Oh, wow. man. Well, so everybody knows, and you certainly have made it well known, I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Yes. Oh. So I grew up yeah. for a short time outside Buffalo before we moved to New England. Ohio oh. is my third stop. Okay. So Western New York, okay. New England, Ohio. So while living in Western New York, uh, became a Bills fan. That never stopped. And your older listeners, but certainly not your younger ones, would remember Buffalo had an NBA team and a doggone good one in the yes. Buffalo Braves. Bob McAdoo, yep. Randy Smith, who spent some time with the Cavaliers, Ernie DiGregorio, John Shoemate, uh, Adrian Dantley. So I was a big Buffalo Braves fan, and I was a Bob McAdoo guy. And Bob McAdoo was Kevin Durant before wow. Kevin Durant. That outside shooter that was the big man Yep, yep. out of North Carolina. I see my broadcast partner has shown up, Jim Jones. Jim Jones says... Mac was the toughest guy he ever had to defend really? because really. he could go out on the wing. Yeah. And Jim had to go out and get him. And McAdoo was a sharp shooter. I believe he mm. won the scoring title two, maybe three consecutive years as a Buffalo Brave. Yeah. And then he and Jim were together uh, in Los Angeles when the Lakers won. But uh, my guy growing up, Bob McAdoo. I had McAdoo posters on the <laughs> wall. I had McAdoo, you name it. I was a Bob McAdoo guy. And a few years ago, Jim was able to get Bob to appear on Cavs HQ. I was like a kid in a candy. You're like Chris oh. Chris Farley on Saturday that's Night. Hey, remember that hey, time? You remember that time? Re- you, remember you dropped forty on Dave Collins? <laughs> you remember? You remember? <laughs> I was. I was. I was just like I was starstruck, and he was on the phone. Right. But no, Bob McAdoo was my guy. Fantastic stuff. I loved him when he helped the Lakers beat the Celtics yes. as their sixth man. They countered, uh, you know, their sixth man uh, pickup of Bill Walton with Bob McAdoo and Michael Thompson, all those. Uh, we could talk for hours. Tim Alcorn will let you go get prepared for tonight's game uh, on WHBC and the Cavs audio verse 7 o'clock tip-off against the Magic. Thanks for joining us here at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You know, this summer when I'm off, if you need a third host. Anytime, hey, you're always man, welcome. You, you are more than welcome to come down. I to can get, do that. Hey, anytime. We got a talk some indians or guardians yes my bad we'll do that all right absolutely there he is tune him in tonight here all across the Cavs audio verse and of course on whbc tim elkhorn this is the radio voice of the here's tim elkhorn and you're listening to a couple of guys who think they know what they're talking about but really have no clue kenny and jt on news talk 1480 whbc